Hi, welcome to Suplex the Sticks, a gaming podcast hosted by David, Seth, and Forrest. Howdy. Hey. How's it going, guys? Going pretty well. I would say that we're hosted by David and Seth with our with a special guest appearance for Forrest, but you know, yeah. that's just me. We, we, we don't know if Forrest is going to like this enough to keep going, but... Who knows? He's here tonight. This could, this could so. be the worst experience of yeah. my life. No, no, don't. It's not going to be that bad. <laughs> Highly likely, honestly. Uh, um, I mean, I this say. is, it's both a good news week and a weird one. Yeah. So, I mean. Good and weird. Yeah. Good and weird is. That's how I describe my uh, yeah. <laughs> podcast. Yeah, your ah. podcast. There you go. Uh, so. So let's, let's. I want to talk about game, a game that makes me feel good and weird, uh, and that is Fire Emblem. And Seth, Seth is going to talk way more about Fire Emblem. I'm only going to talk a little bit. I might because I've only I could I've only beat a about a Dragon Quest Eleven's demo worth of Fire Emblem, and <laughs> um and uh which is ten hours. Uh, which it's more than you think yes. it is. Yeah. But it's still not a whole lot. It's a lot. long yeah. time for a demo, to be so sure. So I did lurk on your hours played, Seth. And you oh, have yeah? not played as much Fire Emblem as you have Tetris 99. That's true. You are still about 20 hours behind on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Tetris 99 will dominate my uh, hours played for for some time to come. Yeah. So I, I've played it. I'm playing Blue Lions. I haven't really talked about that. Um, I'm really a big fan of Dimitri and Felix and Sylvain. Sylvain is kind of creepy, and I didn't like him at first, but he's really adorable now, and he's got redeeming qualities, and he's learning to be a better person. That's and I like that. Slowly. Slowly. <laughs> sort of. It's, he's not hitting on random girls now, because he's asked me advice on that, and I've told him, man, it's probably not a good move. Good. Oh, but he does in other people's supports. Don't oh, worry. really? Oh, oh yes. come on, man. Sylvain was one of the uh, four non-Golden Deer characters that I recruited. Oh, okay. When I played through. So what? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Because um, I know that you'll have a lot because you beat the game. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> so I... I... I honestly, like, I... I really haven't sat down to collect my thoughts on it, um, so I probably will have less to talk about than you are expecting. Though also I could ramble yes, on forever it could be about very games, much yeah. so I guess it, it, it evens out. Um, <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed that. I'm, I Man, I'm, this game is so good, and I don't want to harp on it at all, but it is really easy. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people on Twitter have been saying that. I didn't believe them at first because I did have some issues with the first battle. And that's just because I haven't played a Fire Emblem game in forever because yeah. I hated Fates. So I just skipped it. So the last one I really... Yeah, and, you, and you thought the Weapons Triangle still existed. Yeah, so I thought the Weapons Triangle still existed. It doesn't. Nope. So uh, that was a whole thing. <laughs> and also... The game tells you when enemies are targeting you, which is a weird addition. Was that an addition in Fate Sith? No. Okay, so that's, that's new for this. That's one. new for this one. So that's that. That's good. I wasn't paying attention to that as much as I should have been, and so yeah. But 
it it is easier way way easier the more you go along especially if you uh, accidentally over level one of your characters because then that person is just a monster a tank. tank so i mean that happens in every fire emblem but in this one especially it's some. it's yeah it's a special ah. in this one because my main character evades like everything <laughs> like everything Lord. nothing hits him and so good i guess yeah <laughs> So I've been playing that, and also I've jumped back into Apex Legends a little bit, and the map changed, which is fun. I think that happened a couple months ago, but with the start of Season 2 in July. Yeah. But, which is about a month ago, not a couple months. But it's pretty good. I am liking it as always because it's a fun game, and I survived pretty far one of the times I got to, like, the last four groups. And it gets real intense up there. Yeah, I've won a couple times, nice. more than a couple. Seth has won a ton. He's very good at Apex. It's annoying. Well, I'm probably rusty. Yeah, you're rusty now, guaranteed. Because some of these people are doing weird stuff, and the new the new powers are crazy and yeah. strange. So, and I want to talk about, it's kind of more of a serious topic on a level, and I don't know if I'm still going to play this game. I bought it. And so I feel like I have to play it. Um, but I, I'm playing Hotline Miami and Hotline Miami 2. I started Hotline Miami 2 last night because I thought I had played number one all the way through and I realized I didn't because I was very lost in the story. And so I started playing the first one today. But like I've played maybe a cumulative of like three, four hours between the two games. And like... I don't know if it's the normal, or not the normal, the general climate we're in right now, but, like, the the over-the-top, like, shock violence of it is, like, making me not want to play it. <laughs> like, it's very uh, weird and unsettling, which I think might be, it's not might be, that's what the tone of the game is going for. Yeah. But I don't know if it's something I want to keep playing right now for sure. Because I really liked playing it when I played it back at a friend's house a couple of years back. And so I've been waiting for it to come out on Switch. And it never did until now. Which that was announced during the indie, the Nindy showcase for Gamescom. So I don't know if you guys have questions about that. But it's like a... It's like a top-down, uh, how do I, like, one, you you die in one hit, and so do the enemies. So it's kind of like Katana Zero, but Katana Zero had a cool storyline behind it, and it was really neat. And this seems kind of just senseless and malicious in a weird way. So, I mean, maybe I'm not far enough in the story to hit the point where it makes sense but this seems like it doesn't seem like it has a point and so it's not mm. just not good Maybe feeling the point i haven't played the games but it's not good feels i don't know i mean they are popular for a reason and i think that might be like what they're they're trying to get at there but i don't know i never really had any just like yeah from gameplay, I've never had any interest in playing the games. 
I, I really like the challenge of the, like, and I mean, I've talked about it on the show before, because one of my favorite modes in Devil May Cry was the, like, you die in one hit and so does the enemy. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, Dante must die or something. It's, I think that's the hell or hell mode. Oh, I can't. Dante must die is just stupid, ridiculous hard. Yeah, and I I can't remember which one it is, but I I always really enjoyed that mode. So games like Katana Zero and this one really scratch that itch. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep playing it. They're short games, um, but I'm gonna focus more on Fire Emblem right now yeah there's a lot to focus on there (laughs) yeah (laughs) boy don't i know it and that's like under describing how much there is yeah yeah there's a lot yeah (laughs) i guess it's uh man i guess that's underselling it yeah for sure i would actually like to see because i know that people i don't think people have yet i would like to see how long it takes to beat all three houses all three houses and the secret path it's a secret path? Yeah. Oh, man. There's a... Well, there's, it's sort not a secret, of. but it's a... A fourth path. Yeah. Yes. Dang. Okay. Well, that's more to look forward to for I, me, then. <laughs> I remember the reviewer on Twitter. I wish I remember the name of the reviewer so I could give him credit. But they were saying that their review of the game ended up a little skewed because they kind of fell into the fourth path. And so, because the fourth path is a couple missions shorter, or a couple chapters shorter, or something gotcha. like that. It's like 18 instead of 22. And so, they were reading other people's reviews and like, oh, what? <laughs> I, I, I ended up yeah. with a weird result. So, I don't know if Seth knows who I'm talking about. I can't remember. Uh, I, I don't know who the reviewer you're talking about is. No. Uh, so... Um, I actually didn't read. I didn't read a whole lot about Fire Emblem, like reviews wise. Um, I just mostly like saw the brief thoughts about it and seeing how good everyone said it was. Yeah, I've I've stayed away from a lot of Twitter conversations about it for the most part because I know that there's stuff to spoil. Yeah, the problem was like even. It doesn't matter like how far you are into the game; it can spoil what will happen in the other. The other, yeah, uh, the other paths. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for myself. So I'm really nervous looking at Twitter when it Just comes to Fire time. Emblem content. Yeah. yeah. So I had to spoil a little bit, uh, um, not, not a whole lot, like none of the big story details, but in trying to determine what the next path that I was going to do is. Oh, okay. Um, um yeah, so I, Yesterday, was it yesterday? I think last night I finished the Golden Deer route of Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is the one uh, starring Claude of uh, the uh, Lester, no, what is it? Leicester. Something, yeah, it's the Lester Alliance. <laughs> um, it's not pronounced Leicester. Really? David, no. Oh, well. It's like uh, Worcestershire sauce. Oh, gotcha, okay. It's a weird I don't know. It's an <laughs> it's a British thing. Uh yeah. Um I I picked him because he, he he's he intrigued me the most. Uh he's s- certainly the most um it's got 
I think the personality closest to me, and that he's kind of flippant and he jokes about a lot of stuff and he uses humor to uh, mask seriousness. Mm. Um, he seems a lot more casual than the other two. Uh, yeah, but he's also, but he's still like he takes things seriously, but he does it with a, a joking demeanor. And he's he's a great character, honestly. I loved him. Um, and really, they I, I they all were. I was surprised at how many of at how many of the characters are um like really fully um drawn out and developed characters especially like through the life of the story and how they all um they all grow from one point to another um that was really cool even with like the 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 four characters that I recruited from outside my house like they still had meaningful support conversations and they had uh, meaningful stuff to say about what was happening in the story in relation to um like what the path that I was on um so I thought that was that was very cool uh and surprising honestly like I wasn't um I wasn't expecting especially once you get to the time jump I wasn't sure how they were going to integrate the other characters into it um and unfortunately they don't um they don't integrate them into like cutscenes and stuff um, the major cutscenes that happen along the story only involve the characters in your house, um, and so really? okay. yeah, and so it can it can feel kind of um, they can feel kind of separated in that way. But like um, in actuality, like I use them, they become un- became enough of my go tos to where they uh, they felt fully integrated into what was going on. Um, a cool thing about the support system is that a lot of um, a lot of these later support conversations have um, like story details in them, and so they're locked until you reach certain points in the story or you like complete certain paralogs, huh. uh, which was really cool. Um, there's like um, no spoilers, but there's uh, uh, there is a a support conversation. The A A rank support conversation with Seth and Flane um, involves like. <laughs> major spoilery stuff that you have to like that would be completely ruined if you had not done th- done their paralogue and but I assume that it's one that's that's locked behind stuff um so that it was really cool like the way they um integrate the stuff into like the what's happening in the story cuz that's in previous fire emblems um uh as we know the um the support conversations did not like the relationships between characters was never a major point of emphasis. Right. Um, outside of like the main characters, um, and how they interacted like in, like in the, the main story. Um, but before the 3ds, the, the kind of support conversations that can happen between characters were not, they, they weren't really ever, um, that big emphasis, there wasn't that much emphasis, but then an, on Awakening, the partnering up, uh, uh, of, of the characters into romantic pairings became like a big focus. Um, and you know, it was something that was fun, but not something I was super huge about, uh, especially in Fates. Yeah. Especially um, how, how big that system became. Because like that became... It seemed like that became the core mechanic of the game rather than the actual gameplay. Yeah, um, yeah they focused on that in Fates instead of actual and so uh, they, good gameplay. 
Yeah, <laughs> they have they they pulled back a lot on this one, which I appreciate, and they also kind of I like it more because like what is happening in the support conversations, it feels like it integrates into the story well and broadens your understanding of what's going on, um, which I think is a lot cooler and it and it gives me more. Um, like it makes me want to discover these relationships even more, um, and the the emphasis on like romance between um, the characters is a lot uh, less uh, in the game, which is good. I mean, it still happens, um, but it's not like um, so. This is not going to be spoilers um, about like. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to, like, the mechanics of the way it works is different, and you don't get to choose, you don't get to, to pair up people and have them marry each other. Um, there are there are conversations that are, like, if you get far, far enough into the supports, um, they do become romantic. Um, and But it's weird, because you can have multiple, like, you can have characters have multiple A-rank supports with other characters and have multiple romantic conversations. So I'm not sure how it all works. I think there's there's got to be like a priority list. Yeah. Of Because um, after you finish the game uh, on, on the credits roll, like you see the epilogues of the characters and some of them are just paired up and you find out that, oh, these characters became romantically partnered. Um, like you don't... Like the game kind of does it automatically for you. You don't really have... Um, so I, I wonder how that works. I know there's, there's gotta be like infinite possibilities, but I wonder, um, there's gotta be some kind of priority list under the hood that says, oh, this person, if they are, if they have a rank with these two characters, it will always be this one. Um, but it was really cool when I got to the end to, uh, see the way the, the game paired off some of my characters and most of the ones uh, I th- were like, they happened the way that I wanted them to. Nice. Um, so one of them was one of them was not one that I I thought was happening in their support conversations, but it also it didn't really seem to be. It was ambiguous whether it was a romantic partnership in any way, and an- another one of them was really funny. Like it was two completely opposite personality people, and and it was it was it was very humorous. Uh, and it was really cool. Um, and I was glad that the game ended on that because the the final two missions for um, the uh, the Golden Deer. Um, so, as you know, the, the game, the, the way the game works is it's the first um, the first 12 chapters are in the past so it's like one year that you're at the school as a professor and then there is an inciting incident um and then the game jumps forward five years so Um, so ratio wise how much is the the school versus the post uh so it's 12 chapters and then 10 chapters um Oh wow! So in those ten chapters, you're not dealing with the school stuff at all, or no? Well, so what happens is after the after the five year jump, you you there's a, a new status quo, and like you are basically at war with the other factions, right? Gotcha. Um, or some semblance of that. 
Um, and so then you go uh, and you, you know, you get to the end. You 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 beat the the bad people who who they're after, um, and then it does a it's a classic fire emblem thing of oh this was the guy you thought was uh, bad but actually there's this dark force behind him and then you have to fight him. Um, so it's weird because I like knew that was happening because that is what fire emblem does. Yeah, it's classic fire um, emblem fair. Yeah, but it was. It's weird because in previous games, like, that stuff is kind of woven more into the story. And so you know about these people. Um, and then time. when and then when the, the evil force behind it, like, appears, you're like, okay, I understand this. Um, and that was, at least in the Golden Deer route, um, I was left kind of unsatisfied with how it ended. Because the final boss itself is kind of like, what? Where did this come from? Um, but the, the evil guys, you know, the, the back of this background evil organization, like they were in there, but I just, I wanted there to be more, um, I wanted to, like, I feel like they weren't, uh, built up enough. So like, I sort of knew their motivations, but I wasn't really sure what was going on. I knew they were the bad guys because they were the bad guys. Yeah. Um, and so the final two maps where you were fighting them, um, it, they were kind of unsatisfying a little bit for me. They were cool because um, they they put your army up against what seems like a a vastly superior force, um, and I just, you just kind of go through and wreck them. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. I'll talk about nice. the the difficulty a little bit. Uh, the the penultimate map was cool because it took place in this. Um, this area that was completely different from any other like locale that I've been in. And it had like this awesome dubstep, like battle music (laughs) going on. Like it, it was so like drastically different from everything else that had come before. It was really cool. Um, and it, but again, there's like, I want it. It was, it felt like a, a missed opportunity for me. Like, because you only spend this one, um, you're only there for this one battle and then you're kind of gone and you don't really explore um, the, the the origins of this place or what these people are doing. Oh, it's like Scala um, and Kylum and Kingdom Hearts Yeah, III. kind of. That's, um, uh, I could dig it. it. Was, that's not a connection that I made during, but yeah, it is kind of like that. And you're like, man, I wish I could spend more time the music's great. in something like this. The locale is great. great. And you um, can't spend much time there. <laughs> And I, and I mean there are like there there is stuff around on the edges that talk about it but it's just like I I wish that I could delve into this more like this is what this has become like you there are enough seeds for me to be interested in it but then they don't like fully explore that and so that was kind of a bummer uh for that to be the ending of the route there's also this weird thing with Claude who um in the the first half of the game like, this whole time, he's this guy who's super, like, um, you, you kind of know from the outset that he is not your typical uh, noble. Like, he kind of comes, he's he's sort of an outsider. Um, uh, some of the, the people, like the, the kids in, in the class, like, they like him, but no one really knows what his, uh, his backstory is. And so he, he sort of comes from this outsider's perspective, and he's always... 
in, in the first half of the game, he's super skeptical about um, this church that you're working for. Right. Because um, you, the main character, he is a mercenary who takes a job working at this uh, monastery, which is the school for these three houses. And it's, uh, the whole world is, the at least the country oh, so- is governed by this, uh, I don't know if it's governed, but there is this, this church, uh, this religion that kind of has p- power over, um, the, the whole, the whole continent. Um, wait, so Claude is like suspicious of that. Yeah. So, so he that like, does not show at all in the other story arcs. Right. So that's, that's like interactions weird. that you and Claude have, um, like, one-on-one interactions that you have like he's he's suspicious of these the people who are in power um he's questions their motives and whether the stuff they're talking about is true and it's really and that was really cool because um especially like in the trailers they and and all the the kind of the way you approach this monastery it gives you this kind of um there's something foreboding about the whole thing like you're going around like something doesn't seem right with these church people like there's definitely something going on behind the scenes that i want to know about and claude's like really tuned into that and he wants to know what's going on and all this he's asking questions throughout the first half of the story and there's always people who are like no you can't know this stuff um like they're people are always obfuscating um trying to make sure he doesn't figure out right and, and that was really cool um and the way that pays off in the second half was totally like it was unsatisfying for me Dang. because um because the the way the story moves away from what is going on in the church and more along the the lines of the war like there's not really any need for him to know this stuff anymore i guess or at least it has taken a backseat to the conflict that is going on and then when the church becomes the, the church comes back into play at the end it's, there's kind of like this um expositional uh lore dump um and it it just it was not for me like it wasn't satisfying like i didn't like the way this is a guy who is like it it felt like the story was building you to expect the church to be like have this dark side and then at the end it's like oh no these other guys are the bad guys and everything is all right uh and he and he just kind of accepts those details uh, <laughs> and you're just like all right i guess that's it those are all the mysteries kind of cleared up but and um i don't know it was weird because i i left the, the story feeling that like there's this whole other side to this conflict and this this story that's going on that i thought the game that at, at least i thought this route was going to get into and then it did not and yeah. i was like well that's kind of a bummer Instead, I just go out and kill all the bad guys. It's like, well, I mean, that's good. Uh, but I wish I understood their motivations more. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, that the, from what I've read, the Black Eagle route probably goes into this a lot more. Um, yeah. Uh, I, from, so, from And I know that the, so the, I this is why I went to, to spoil myself a bit, because I wanted to make sure that I'm, I don't do things in a not uh, productive way. So the, uh, the black Eagle route, like 
there is like it can split off into two routes and one of them apparently is like the exact same maps and scenarios as the golden deer um really yeah uh i don't know if it's exact because uh, i don't know that like claude is involved with them um i don't know that he's not either uh but yeah so like i was like all right um i was gonna do that next and the, and then do the like make two saves for the split and then go do both of them but there's no reason I don't want to do this if it's it's basically the same story as what I just did. Fair um, and apparently the blue lines route is a, it it gets more into like the it's a lot more like character driven backstory and stuff like that and it's like the war is uh, important and so is this other stuff but it's more about like the characters uh and their um personal uh, journeys, which I so can understand I from my correctly. from my interactions <laughs> with the Blue Lions in in the second half of the game. Uh, so I'm probably gonna do that one next instead, uh, and then save the the one uh, the one Black Eagle route for last. Um, and hopefully by at the end I'll have the full picture. Um, but that's like. That that's a while I, away. That's like I, 200 I don't really, plus hours of gameplay. The thing is, like, I never. I mean, get your money. I don't know that when I bought the game, I ever <laughs> like had a desire of doing all of the routes. Like I, I knew that I wanted to do Golden Deer, and I sort of wanted to do the Black Eagle. I didn't really have any interest in Blue Lions, and I still sort of don't. But I guess um, we got the coolest characters, baby. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. There's some great characters in Golden Deer. We got Felix. Uh, Felix. Felix is dope. Uh, but also, like, I just, like, I recruited him already. And so I sort of know. So also how, like, we his have, whole... man, my favorite. So he was not my favorite to begin with, but Dedu is my favorite. Yeah. He... Dedu was also, like, heavily involved. <laughs> he becomes heavily involved in the Golden Deer, surprisingly. Uh-huh. Like, he, uh, well, not heavily, but he does play a role. He's great. Uh, Felix though is is dope, and I'm sure like, I bet it's it's probably just dependent on like the stat grows for my Felix. But he became hilariously overpowered at the end of the game. My like my, I could just stick him in in a crowd where like eight people would target him to attack him on the next turn, just and he'd like them all. yeah. Well, it's not really tank. He he had like he's a sword fighter, so he had such high evasion. Like he didn't gotcha. have a whole lot of defense, but people never hit him, and he would always hit other people twice. And then he gets the skill called Vantage, uh, which allows him to, when he's, like, lower than half health, if someone attacks him, he goes first. Oh, man. Uh, and so, yeah. and I also <laughs> gave him, he had, like, 60% chance to critical hit, like, on everything. Oh, my gosh. And, he, and he's, so he's attacking just, twice. Uh, yeah. Oh, my. So he just absolutely <laughs> demolished. And it was hilarious. And he was my MVP of, like, the final five chapters. So. Uh, and see, it was it was amazing. My Felix has changed his mind and wants to become a brawler. So that's what he's doing. Nice. He's using well, his hands. That's dumb. Instead. But I mean, but, but it's not my fault. That's he, fine. He asked me for permission and I was like, sure. Kid. I will well, tell as you his teacher. You could have said, heck no. You can <laughs> pick up that sword. Uh, and uh, and I mean, people. by the time you're done with him, he will probably excel at both because, um, actually, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. Um, <laughs> I will tell you though, his, uh his his second uh half of the game his um his character sprite he has a unique one for the swordmaster oh really uh, and not for the the brawler line 
Um, so as you you got him, did you get to meet his dad? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I just met his dad in the story. Yeah, uh, I mean, his dad shows up uh, in the the story regardless. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I was I was wondering that. That was my that was my main question. I was going to ask you is like, do each of these story each of these houses have stuff like that where it's where it overlaps? Yeah. Yeah. So so, it seems to be. I think the the main way it, it it diverges after the five year jump. I think pretty much from what i understand the the first half of the game when you're in the monastery plays out um similarly for all of the houses unless you choose the secret path um okay. actually i'm not sure how it how it happens uh on either of the the black eagle paths uh but up until then i'm pretty sure it's all very similar all right so I don't want to cut you off, but we've been talking about Fire Emblem for 22 minutes <laughs> yeah. now. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot. To there's a lot there. to talk. What about. do you? There's a lot. To what unpack. do you expect? This uh, is so one this long, uh, final thing. This long. The difficulty. Uh, so I, I think I I agree that it did feel too easy. It is cool though, like just sort of being able to put characters out there and have them, um, just demolish everyone. But it's. I, I, I've, and so after you beat the game, you can do a new game plus. And so I started the second path on hard mode. Um, I'm curious to, to see like how different it is. Um, I've heard that hard is still pretty easy. I mean, I'm sure that it is. Cause I don't know how much more they can do. Cause they do, they give you so many things to kind of, um, make, make it easier for you. So the, like the targeting mechanic, like you can see which characters, are being targeted and will be attacked by uh, enemies on the next turn, and how much damage they do, and like what their chances of hitting are. Um, like it gives you, it's it's fantastic because all this information used to be um, hidden, and so you would put characters in locations, and it would be sort of up to chance, basically, like who they attack and how much damage it is. So it's really nice to know all this information, and it does allow you to be more. Um, tactical and strategic in what you're doing um but it also takes away the the risk yeah i mean it takes away a little bit like it it allows you to take calculated risk but it also like it it's very easy for you to just be like okay well this person's gonna get demolished so i'm not gonna throw him in there yeah um and there's also um i think a lot of it is just the nature of the way they have um implemented the support systems and the the way skill growth works um and and the the way the class up works um so from what i can tell there are there are four different levels of classes you can have um and from what i can tell none of the enemies ever reach the top level of classes um and so like if you if you have your guys well i think there were some but Generally, they weren't. Um, so if you have your guys, like, at the end, most of your characters, if not all, are going to um, be in that highest ranking of classes. I had characters that had mastered multiple of those classes. Um, and I will say that I did I did all the paralogs that, that came up, and any time there was, like, like as you, you... You can optionally do battles during the month... Um, 
And so generally when there were some, sometimes on the calendar, like it'll show rare monsters have showed up and you can go do those fights and get like uh, special items and stuff. Um, so I would do those. So it's not like I was, I, I didn't go out and like intentionally grind except at the end I did. Um, just because I wanted characters to, to master those classes so I could move them up. Um, but I never like went to grind experience. Um, but I like it and also never, I don't think you would have to, I think just the way I think the game gives you more advantages over the enemy, um, just kind of naturally because you have access to more information and, and more stuff that will boost your stats than the enemy does. Um, I don't know. So it, it is, it did become a little on the easy side. Um, but I don't know that it ever impacted my, uh, enjoyment negatively. Uh, it yeah. did, a lot of the stuff did seem to, I did, I was going a lot through the motions of just going through, like doing the levels. Uh, and so that was kind of a bummer. Um, but so I'll see how, if hard mode is different. I don't imagine it will be, especially because you also have the, the, the mechanic where you can wind back time. Yeah. Um, so, and that can kind of cover up from any mistakes. you did. Cause I did, I did have characters die, but I would never like leave them that way. Uh, cause I could just rewind and, and reset stuff to where, yeah, they um, weren't, they're, they're not being attacked or it gives you a new role on the RNG and maybe, uh, and maybe the same person attacks the same person and they, they miss that time instead. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think it might be because there's a more emphasis on the story that they want that they want to facilitate that more. I'm not sure. Um, also, I will say the second half of the game, it it becomes it it feels a lot different because so the first half of the game you have these this full roster of characters in the monastery and so there's always people to talk to always people to give gifts and stuff um, and more like supports to rank up. But like in the second half of the game, the amount of people in the monastery is like, it's like cut into it's, it's one third of basically of the characters that it were, that it was. And so there's a lot less interaction to be had there. Um, And, and also because of how far you are into the game, you are going to have a lot more, um, your your supports are going to be built up a lot more, so there isn't as much necessity in um, in talking to these people. Uh, there's also in the first half of the game, like items you can pick up that uh, belong to other people. Those aren't there in the second half, um, and so it's weird because like all the stuff, like all the stuff that there was to do in the monastery, it see it 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 kind of goes away, um, and so you still have. Now, you don't have to explore the monastery at all, but, I mean, you do need to do it at least once once every month. Um, but your other options are, are like, less... It's either you go and do battles that you'll mow through or other stuff that is less fruitful for you than maybe, than maybe choosing options in, in exploring the monastery. And also, at the same time, you level up your professor, and so you have more options to... Like, you have more points to spend on doing stuff in the monastery. So there's less stuff for you to do, but you have more points to spend on doing them. Um, and so it's weird, and it it creates a very different feel 
Um, like it feels, I, I kind of makes the game feel smaller, I guess, uh, in the second half. Um, I don't know. It's so it's, it's an interesting shift in the second half to the first half. Um, in, in terms of story, uh, and in terms of like the feel of the game. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily like, I'm not saying like it's, it's a shift for the worse, but it is, um, it was once it was something that I remarked upon, like when I was doing stuff. It it, it feels a lot less organic, um, like instead of you making decisions based on like interacting with characters or stuff like that. You're instead uh, you start to min minimize and maximize like your stuff to in order to get optimum output of stats and growths and stuff like that. Um, and it's just kind of because of the way the game works, like it, the way it removes, um, it, it, re- it, it takes away some of your options. Right. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. And I guess that's sort of the kind of tactical thinking that you're doing plays probably plays more into the, the, the fact that there's a war going on. Like, I guess that is a kind of, um, there's, there is a kind of uh, synergy there uh, in that, like, you're not just goofing around anymore. Like, you're, you're, you're actually fighting these, these foes, and you have to think about, like, what you're going to do in battle and how you want your, your uh, characters to, to work on the battlefield. So I guess that sort of makes sense. Um, but that's not – that's never a connection that I made during gameplay. Like, that's just yeah. something I have come thinking of now. I just – uh, so it's just it's an, it was an interesting note that I that I recalled from my second half of the game. Um, but man, it is it's such a great game. Uh, like I loved the way that the story went. Uh, outside of the very end, you know, was it was it ended on a little bit of a low note for me. But but from start to finish, like the way the characters grow and the way the story um, develops, it it goes in some ways that you don't expect uh, for sure. Uh, and and I really I really enjoyed it. Uh super great. If you have a Switch, go get this game. Uh it will be it's well worth well worth your time. Uh it was so funny actually. After I beat the game, I went downstairs and my roommate was playing it on the TV. Nice. And I was like, Hey. Uh they were doing uh the 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 Blue Lions. Uh The Right House. But he had apparently uh already finished the golden deer so he chose <laughs> the correct one first um uh yeah yeah totally at least the golden deer route suplex certified for sure but i think i can i can extend that to the rest of the game even though i haven't played it yeah i want to note that you have not talked this much about a game since you did the history of Mega Man x series yeah that was oh man that was terrible yeah you should go back and listen to those <laughs> I definitely where he it was about 30 to 40 minutes yeah. each episode. Jeez, I'm okay yep. with that. Uh, <laughs> Mega Man X and its sequel series, uh, the Zero and the ZX series, are some of my favorites of all yeah, time. Yeah, they're great. So I, I'm sorry I haven't partaken in this yet. <laughs> uh, One thing, I, I'm super interested to see what the plans for their DLC are. Um, yeah. I don't know I don't know the stuff they did with Fates. I know with Fates they, they did the, the the third path that you could get that was supposedly the true path. Um, which was dumb. 
Um, but I remember with with Awakening, it started off with some. They were like dinky, dumb maps with nothing going on. But then they went into some like really cool alternate uh, timeline stuff uh, with like the like multiple maps that would be in this story. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see what they do with DLC because I wasn't I, I I had no plans of getting the season pass, um, but I think there there is some cool stuff for them to explore uh, here with these characters like outside of the bounds of what is happening in the story. So I'm, I'm, I hope they do some cool stuff with the DLC because that's, that, that's something I would be super interested in. Yeah. Um, you're, you're then in the same boat as me. Basically I'm waiting to see if that Marvel ultimate Alliance three season pass is worth it. Yeah. I, uh, I did beat that game. I'll talk about it next week. I think, um, just cause we have a lot of news, but, yeah, I'll I'll give that a review next week, for sure. Um, Forrest, did you play anything of note that you want to talk about? I certainly have. Um, with uh, with school starting up, actually, I decided to play a little bit before I, my classes resumed for the fall semester. So I popped in uh, Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare and Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two. Um, specifically, those are the two gross, I know. Um, (laughs) yeah. And my, my thoughts on that is, uh, Modern Warfare one is actually still pretty good. It, it holds up, I would say better than two does. It feels a lot more focused and realistic, um, with less of a focus on the characters and more of a focus on the war and the conflict. Um, uh, two is really where we started getting the trend of Call of Duty just being off the rails, um, big, big action scenes all the time. Um, yeah, like less of a concentrated war story. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it it really shows, especially playing them co- uh, consecutively. Um, that's the main two things that I played. I've been replaying Devil May Cry one since that's on the Switch now. And I will buy every single new re-release of that game <laughs> if it happens. <laughs> um, I'll I'll buy just about Devil May Cry on anything, pretty except much, except for Devil May Cry Two. Yeah, I listen, man. If that's put on the Switch and that is put on before three, I feel like it's my duty it's, to ensure to that su- three gets put on. That yeah. I support two as okay. much as it kills me. That makes sense. <laughs> Two was really bad, uh, Super except rough. in case you didn't know. But yeah, uh, but yeah, um, those are the three main things that I played. Um, d- dinked around a lot in Smash Bros. Ultimate and Melee with a friend uh, with some friends a few days ago. But that's more just like a constant underlying thing. Yeah, Seth and I did some duos before he moved, went back to Orlando, and it was bad. Uh, it was bad. <laughs> it was real bad. So we just stopped. So. But yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. Dismal. It was, yeah, it was real <laughs> bad. It was a poor showing. But all right. So um, with that, we should get into the news. Uh, we know that this is a longer episode, but we didn't do one last week. So yeah, Seth didn't get to split up his. He didn't get to split up his views on Fire Emblem into two episodes. I did not. So you you had to hear it all in one shot, which is perfect. So it's it's a it's a holistic view. Um, 
You know, thinking back, we should have done all of the Mega Man X ones in one episode. It might have oh been too God. much, but <laughs> I yeah. don't. I don't think I. But I don't think I played them. And like, I, I, it's was stretched out because that was the order that I played the games in. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so let's let's talk about the Nindy Direct first, which was Monday morning at nine a.m. And I, I woke up right after it ended. Oh, really? So I immediately put it on, and it was still the stream was actually still ongoing for like two minutes. And I'm like, okay, why isn't it letting me rewind at all? Oh. And then I just zoned out for about two minutes, and then it let me. And I'm like, all right, uh, let's let's see what what was being talked about. <laughs> um. So was there any games that really uh, stuck out to you, Seth? That really yeah. excite you from uh, this there was some cool stuff uh also some big noteworthy stuff well, heck yeah one. yeah um yeah uh let's see i thought it was uh cool that risk of rain is risk of rain 2 is coming out um yeah i i thought that was neat too i i might play yeah. it it looks fun uh i i don't know what i i, I wonder what the the kind of consensus on that one is because uh, the first risk of rain was really good but it's also like a side scroller and the second one is a is a is a full 3d game yeah yeah um so uh one thing that i that i thought was really cool was the tourist um which was like uh it's this kind of blocky 3d game really uh, this guy that shows up on an island and it seems to be like a puzzle adventure game um, it looks it looks very interesting. Oh my gosh, uh, it's so fascinating to me that you're interested in this. Yeah, because I yeah. I feel the exact opposite. I thought it was so boring looking. I, in wow, looking, this looking is how, this is good. Yeah. I would have never guessed that you would have been interested in this set. And like during the trailer for it, uh, taking just like a glance at what the level design was like, I was like, I this isn't for me. Yeah, I can I mean, already decide. So I think it wasn't a very good trailer. Uh, I watched some. <laughs> I would agree. Um, <laughs> some of the gameplay earlier, uh, and it does. It looks. I think it. I think the. I'm m- mostly interested because it's like the, a 3D kind of puzzle game. Um, I don't know. It it has a, it had a cool vibe for me that I think. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, another one was uh, Earth Knight, which is like this side-scrolling yeah, I was really uh, platforming game where you run on the top of these dragons and you can, like, dive through the sky. I didn't really know what was going on. It was kind of uh, hard to tell uh, because was it was lot. a very <laughs> fast-paced uh, trailer. Yeah. But it looks fun. Um, I was excited for it. it, it uh, could... And there's... <coughs> it, uh, what were you going to say? Uh, it, it just kind of, like... It, from the trailer, it looks like the goal is, like, you're starting up in the sky, maybe even, like, outer orbit, and it looks like you're trying to get back down. Yeah, to the I don't know. Like it, I mean, there's definitely a lot going on. There, <laughs> uh, there's a lot to, to decipher in that. The, yeah, it The looked last cool. platformer that confused me this much was the trailer for Celeste, and <laughs> Celeste is, like, one of my favorite games of all time, yeah. so. Um, and there's this game called Eastward, which was... Uh, um, this cool. It had this really awesome pixel art. Yeah, uh, seemed like a adventure, maybe RPG ish type of game. Um, it looked very cool, very uh, awesome look, very atmospheric kind of look. Um, I th- it, and it's from some uh, a good developer. So Chucklefish. I think, yeah, 
Uh, they did, or I forget what the games they've done. Stardew Valley. I looked, I looked it up. Yeah, oh, they gotcha. did Stardew Valley. Um, yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, and I think uh, there's probably some other ones that I thought were interesting, but there's they like they they pump so much stuff into so little time that it's hard to um, separate all of them. Yeah, uh, but those are those are some that that stuck out in my mind. The they announced that Creature in the Wells coming out on September sixth. Yeah, that so. looks cool. Super excited for that. Yeah. For some reason, there was no trailer for this, but I know that Killer Queen Black is coming out in like a month or two. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a release date for it. On that. Um, and I, I, I was, I was waiting for there to be a good trailer for it in there, but there wasn't one. <laughs> so whatever. I'm, I'm still excited for it. Uh, Sparklight, which is. If you've listened to the show before, you know that Seth and I love uh, Zelda Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. For and sure. This, They're classics. This looks like that game. Yeah. So, uh, like, even down to the tree art and stuff, I was just like, this just looks like Oracle of Seasons and Ages. But it also seemed to have, like, some space stuff going on. So yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It looks cool. Um, The only other one that super had me interested was the besides the obvious one at the end was creature in the well and fogs which is this oh, yeah. weird yeah. double dog cat dog game except it's yeah. just dog dog yeah, yeah it's, it's just like dog. cat dog but if you replace the cat's head with a dog head <laughs> yeah. and also it's got rid dog. of the arms and legs yeah yeah so um that and what the golf which looks really interesting yeah. it's where you're like throwing Things that aren't a golf ball and <laughs> hoping it lands near the the pin. I'm really mad there wasn't a golf story too. Yeah. Announcement. Uh, but okay. I mean <laughs> they'll they'll do something eventually. Yeah. So uh is there anything for us that really stood out to you? Uh but- aside from a few of the ones that we already covered, like um oh god, Eastward and um Sorry, I'm looking at the list here, and the other one that looks like Zelda. I'm sorry, my memory is yeah, so yeah. bad right uh, now, and yeah, my no. eyesight is bad too. No, you're good. Um, Sparklight. Yeah. Sparklight. Yep, you're totally right on that. Um, <laughs> oh, that Spirit Fair is coming. The Miyazaki looking game. Yes. Uh, the, yes. Also, there was one. This is one game that looked like it was like this first person shooter that looked like you were play that you were toys that looked cool. Um. Yes, that was. You're you're like toy soldiers in it, uh, hypercharge unboxed. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that looked cool. Yeah, so for me, uh, Blasphemous looks intense, um, to say the least. Very dark, um, but it it looks maybe like it could be a Metroidvania style game. Um, uh, it's a side scrolling platformer looking deal, but um, yes, very intense, very dark and violent. But I like the art design very gothic um yeah um, definitely more on the on the castlevania side of the metroidvania yes definitely and then of course the the big one at the end of the show ori from microsoft game studios yeah Uh, of course this is uh this is what i've been hoping for yeah it's a it's the start of something new in between nintendo and microsoft which yeah i'm looking forward to seeing more of So obviously that was a big news. Like we've we've had uh, Cuphead and we've had Super Lucky Tail. 
Super Lucky's Tale, and also, of course, Banjo's mm-hmm. coming to Smash. Uh, and now we have Ori, uh, previously Microsoft exclusive, also being published on the Switch, which was uh, a certainly big deal. Yes. And something I think that we've talked about it happening on this podcast. Uh, it was. It seemed to be the worst kept secret in the world. But it's. <laughs> it's also just. But it's still it's a like, natural fit. Yeah. Like it's. It is, but it's also like, I think because we've known that it was coming for so long, we kind of taken it for granted. But it's also like a very like it's still a very weird thing that this is happening because this was uh, when Ori came out. Like this was a. This was a game Microsoft was like leaning on a lot. They were putting a lot into advertising this game and being like, "This is only on Xbox. This is an amazing game, uh, and it's only on Xbox, and you have to have an Xbox to play it." Uh, and now it's on Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Um, it it also so works because what what better advertisement for a game franchise that's only on Xbox um, since a sequel is coming out than putting the first one on one of the most popular systems out right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, the day after, um, uh, so the day after this announcement, uh, Microsoft, in a statement to GameIndustry.biz, says, we have no plans to further expand our exclusive first-party games to other consoles. We continue to believe deeply in cross-play and progression of games with the right flexibility for developers to ensure a fair and fun experience. Um... So I think it's just weird the way that they timed this statement of saying, uh, yeah, these games are coming out on Switch, but we're not doing it anymore. Yeah, that's uh, uh, all but, you get right for right now. Don't ask um, me for any more, you ungrateful yeah. swines. <laughs> uh, I do not think this is true. Uh, like, oh, for of course, sure. We're, we're not, we're not going to be seeing stuff come out on PlayStation. Um, although there is some interesting news with that as well. <laughs> um, but... I do think that this uh, Nintendo and Microsoft partnership is going to continue going forward. Um, Especially, like, with the way um, Microsoft and Sony are gobbling up uh, third-party studios. Um, Like, these aren't... These aren't studios that have exclusively... For the most part, that have exclusively, like, published games on these platforms. Right. Um, So... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see more uh, my ex- Xbox former exclusive showing up on the Nintendo platform. I don't think it's never going to happen on PS4, uh, but you know we'll see. Yeah. So with that, that was it for the Nindy Direct. There was also the announcement that uh, Super Hot and Hotline Miami Collection were out today. Yeah. So that was kind of neat. Why? I have a question. Everyone, so like when that happens, when a game is announced and and it is available that day, everyone calls it a shadow drop. Why is that? I wish I knew. I actually had the same thought because Jeff Cayley said the word shadow drop, and I'm like, what? Where did this term come from? Yeah. What? I don't know. I I I'm like it would make sense if a game showed up on a platform without any fanfare. Cause then it like is like, it does sort of happen in the shadows. Like it's, Oh, all of a sudden this game is available. But when it's like announced on a highly advertised, uh, video, then 
There's not, not really anything shadowy about it. I don't know. That was just a thought that I had when people were using the terms. Yeah, I I really... I don't know. I, I googled it real quick and no one can seem to agree when it started. So, who knows, man. Like, I... It's a weird term. Yeah. Yep. So... Yeah, that's a good aside. Shadow Drop, I want to know where it came from. And um, no one no one knows. So It just exists. We had the Xbox presser. The Xbox Insider. Which was rough to watch as someone that likes gaming news. Yes. <laughs> Did you watch it, Sith? Uh, no. I didn't know that it happened, actually. I mean, I did. I do know that it happened, but when it was happening, I had no awareness that it was a thing. Okay, well, you probably saved yourself some I, frustration. Yeah, is frustration. The, is that the word we're going to go with? Yeah. It, <laughs> it was very, um, like, you know how Xbox's E3 press conferences has been like trailer, 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 trailer? Yeah. Well, this was like, let's do some weird talking during, uh, well, before trailers. Show mm. a trailer that no one really cares about. And then we'll talk about it and how exciting it is. And we'll press how exciting it is. But not show it. But not show gameplay or the trailer again. We're just going to talk about how exciting it is. Mm. And it was very strange. I don't know what the goal was with this. Um, but some of the stuff that was announced was cool. So we're getting Devil May Cry 5 Woo. and Age of Empire Definitive Edition and Stellaris out on Game Pass now. And Stellaris nice. is like Civ in space, but even more complex than Civ. Um, and my friends have been telling me to play it and buy it on Steam. Uh, now I don't have to. <laughs> so go. that's Fair good. Uh, Blair Witch is coming out August 30th which we've mm-hmm. barely seen gameplay of that game. So who knows if it's actually good. But it's dropping August 30th, and it's free for me, so I don't care. I'm not going to spend money on it anyway. So yeah. it's, I guess, technically free for me. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition will be out November 14th, which I'm super excited about. Uh, we need more Age of Empires in this desolate world, in my opinion. Well, it's, it's, I don't know if it's more Age of Empires. I mean, it's just Age of Empires 2. It's more of that. <coughs> it's weird that there's a definitive edition, which has, like, further enhanced graphics after they released Age of Empires 2 HD a couple years ago. Yeah, so you get um, a discount on this one if you bought that. Well, good, because I did. Yeah, so <laughs> did I. So, uh, yeah, I played... I have not played it a whole lot either. I played Age 2 the other day for like four hours. It was great. I played against eight civilizations, and I just had a great time hmm. just building and having fun. Yeah. I love that game. It's very good. It's a great game. It's a classic. Yeah, and it's much more slower paced than StarCraft, and I like that. So, huh. Gears Pop is coming on August 22nd. You can almost hear Chris's screams of joy from here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's super excited. I will try it because it comes out tomorrow. So it's 
It'll be easy because it's free. Yeah. So um, we'll run down. There's a weird battle royale type mode coming to Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Breakpoint which, of course, PUBG is getting cross-play in October, which is more like a weird because it's, it's out on PS4 and on Xbox and on PC. So, of course, it's a battle royale, so it's going to have cross-play. And let's see. They focused a lot on this Empire of Sin game, which is like a mafia-type Fire Emblem-looking game. Yeah. And, what? yeah. it It's weird. It's weird, Seth. It's like a mafia Fire Emblem. Yeah. It's like a survival RPG, kind of. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Empire of Sin. Oh, That's a pretty I think nice that's game. coming out on Switch. Oh, really? Maybe. Uh, oh, well, they focused a ton on it during the Microsoft presser. Yeah. I'm talking like a really yeah. sizable I remember trailer. it was on uh, it was on in their Nintendo's E3 thing. I have no recollection of this. So, yeah, they, they spent a ton of time talking to the people behind that. That's weird. So, yeah. Seems like the, a strange thing first, to spend a lot of time about. The first search result is... Empire Sin is XCOM meets Boardwalk Empire. So there you go. thanks to IGN for that headline. Um, it's really crazy that Microsoft spent so much time at this presser talking about this game when it's not even an exclusive. Yeah. So <laughs> what was also weird is they kept hyping up this XO19 event in London. So that's happening in November. It seems like an Xbox E3 sort of thing. Kind of like how so, PlayStation has the uh, PlayStation Experience. Yeah. So we'll see if that leads to any cool announcements or more Halo announcements, stuff like that. That would be glorious. Uh, if I recall the one from last year, it was not uh, that big of a deal. I mean, yeah, I remember. There was not much in it. But one can hope that they'll finally announce or release Halo Reach for Master Chief Collection. That's mainly what I want, Seth. Yeah. That's all yeah. I want. That Yeah, that's really all I need in life. That's that's <laughs> what I wanted from this, and I didn't get it, so I was really mad. Yeah. So, But we did get uh, a good look at Gears 5 Horde. They, they showed Which off. had Halo Reach stuff in yes. it. Yes. So Gears 5 <laughs> might be game of the year because it has Halo Reach content in it. <laughs> I mean, that's that, like straight up the – so the Reach content is they are bringing in Emil and Kat from Noble Team Ooh, yeah. and Halo Reach into Horde mode. Yeah. And, and multiplayer. And multiplayer? Yeah, so oh, those models will be in all the like escalation – like the escape. Escape, yeah. multiplayer, and the Horde mode. The Horde mode apparently is like Overwatch now, where characters have uh, custom specials. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder what uh, I wonder what the Halo guys will have. So, so we one actually of them, know. Yeah, they <laughs> know. They talked about it. One of them has a bubble shield. Yep, that's Emil. Emil has a bubble shield. I and can't remember what Cat has. Cat has the hologram. Um, okay. Yeah. So which, she can, if you remember in Halo Reach, is completely right, pointless. But what are their alts? What are their ultimates? Uh, I can't remember the. That's alts. what I want to know. Well, I that was it. I thought that was it, <laughs> Seth. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's kind of disappointing. I mean, hey, the bubble I mean, shield looks pretty. That's use, that's on par useful. with the other ultimates, though, because oh. the um, the one girl, um, gosh, I just forgot her name completely. The main character, 
of right. Gears yeah. Five. Um, but she just turns invisible. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. So they're calling them ultimates, probably a little bit. Uh, yeah, their powers really overselling what is happening. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> it's that you, yeah, you their powers just, that charge up. Yeah, their powers <laughs> that they're your LB and destiny, yeah. which is that's grenade. Never mind. Okay, so, so not that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's more like what, what happens. Melee. You, it's what you do when you hold down B, like your your shield. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. So that's more what I the was class abilities. Of. Speaking of which, cross save is out now. Uh, if you care about that in Destiny, so um, I'm excited to buy the PC version and bring my Xbox character over to PC and play it. Um, and yeah, that's random random drop of news there. So. If you care about that, because Chris is going to start playing Destiny now, because he can bring his PS4 character over. Nice. Um, so now we're at the opening night thing where Jeff Kaylee got to see like his like yes. his life just opening night live, the biggest night of his life almost. Again, this is it's so weird. This is so this was uh, a Jeff Kaylee production uh, for Gamescom. I had no idea that this was coming until it was happening. Really? I yeah. thought I told you, hey, this is happening. I, you <laughs> might have. I had no clue. And, and all of a sudden there was just like all this stuff happening. I was like, what the heck is going on? So they announced that this thing, um, this weird FMV game, Erica, is $10 and it's dropping now. So that was one of the bigger announcements of... The opening night, because really? apparently this game was at E3 a couple years ago. Really? And people have been wondering where it went. I have. I don't remember ever hearing about yeah. it. Yeah. So, <laughs> whatever. Um, there's a open alpha for Modern Warfare on PS4 only because console exclusivity is still a thing yes, in sir. the year of our Lord 2019. Uh, when it comes to third-party games, it makes no sense. But I mean, it's happening on... PC now too, which is but we don't we need to get into that. It's yeah. it's just a launcher though for PC. It's not yeah, a four hundred dollar console. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good <laughs> news for Modern Warfare though, it will have crossplay. Yeah. Well, crossplay for PC. Uh, I heard crossplay between console to console and console to PC. Yeah. Have you mm. heard about this, Seth? No. So this is actually something really cool and <laughs> strange because. Activision isn't the best at being uh, user-friendly or employee-friendly, but um, they are making it to where if you have a keyboard and mouse plugged into your Xbox, you can play Mm -hmm. against PC players. Hmm. That's cool. So you can... Kind of uh, bridge that skill gap. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So they're really bringing cross-play. And if you... If you're playing on your computer with a controller, you get matched with Xbox people. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. They're matching it by controller input, not gotcha. not console. See, I didn't know that detail. Yeah. All right, cool. So it's it's interesting and good. It's good. Yeah. Bringing, bringing people together, even if it's to throw white phosphorus on each other, which <laughs> is a war crime. So... We're we're doing that, um, you know. But the, also, they focused a lot on this weird trailer for 
this helicopter game, which is called Comanche. And I didn't know that this was a popular franchise. It might not actually be a popular franchise. I'm going to say solidly not a popular franchise. Okay. Have you ever heard of Comanche, Sith? Uh, I've heard of the Comanche tribe <laughs> okay. of Native Americans. Well, this is the helicopter. Oh, I think so, I've heard of that. Okay. Well, there's a new Comanche coming. So they announced Kerbal Space Program 2. With a really um, long With a really trailer. long trailer. Really? Yeah. I'm kind of glad that I didn't have any idea this was going, because it seems weird. Yeah, it wasn't great. Like It's just like a a, a weird, disparate select, selection of game trailers just to have things to show. Yeah. Yes. So um, none of it was nearly as cool as when they played Devil Trigger on the Game Awards. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> that was my favorite moment, to be uh, honest. Yeah. That See, was... I th- but I think... I think the Game Awards is so much more like it works as a platform to do to throw in this random stuff because that's like you're those sort of are they become the main attraction, but you're ostensibly watching for the awards. Yeah, and the the random game trailers are just kind of thrown in as uh uh like on on top of it all even though the sort of why you watch it because you know they're coming yeah but there is there is a premise of something that makes more sense to build this stuff onto rather than just have a show that is a bunch of random games that are not really interconnected by anything yeah uh, except for jeff (laughs) cayley so yeah so they announced little nightmares 2 which looks like it's gonna have co-op and weapons in it so you can fight back a little bit I don't know how I feel about that because part of what made Little Nightmares yeah. one cool was that you were uh, very vulnerable. Yep. So, cool. um, then they showed off Need for Speed Heat, yeah, and the fact that you can download an app and customize your car today. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Richard, Witcher three, wi- Richard three, the <laughs> Wild Hunt. Richard three. <laughs> Richard. That's what I said. Uh, <laughs> but yeah that's coming out on Uh, october 15th uh for the switch and apparently it's been playable on the gamescom show floor yeah everyone seems to be blown away by how good it works it's a miracle that it fits on the the cart baby yeah that it that it fits on the cart and is playable on the switch yeah I mean, granted, it's at like twenty to twenty-five frames per second. Oh yeah, we're but, we're we're taking some hits here. But on how it runs? Who knows how long sure. your battery will last while playing it? Two minutes. But mine will be <laughs> fine. So, because I was one of those people that yeah, upgraded to the Redbox Switch, uh, which is not a Switch you can buy from the Redbox. It's just the newer model. So. Uh, also, there was the fact that Hideo Kojima, of course, um, I believe he actually is strapped to Jeff Cayley's back at any given moment so that he's ready to pop out. It's just uh, when they have confer- uh, conferences and like showings like the stuff at Gamescom, he, he untapes them from his back yeah. and leaves them backstage. He's like Voldemort on the back of like <laughs> Professor Quirrell's head. For Jeff Cayley, uh, that's good. He, he just he appeared and uh, you know was like, "Hey, here's more Death Stranding stuff that's not going to make sense. Um, this game is going to mean nothing, and you're probably going a ton of people are going to buy it, and uh, 
I'm going to buy it. Who knows if they'll like it. If I it seems to be a walking it. simulator. And you can pee in it. So yeah. that's... <laughs> you can rock a baby. Yeah, yeah yep. you can rock an invisible baby and breastfeed it, yep. I guess. And I don't know. And then when you trip and Probably fall off of cliffs... Probably not as Norman Reedus. Uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> really, though, I mean, so this is clearly Kojima paying homage to the gameplay of Mario two, of Super Mario 2 Yoshi's Island. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I'm here. Uh, so, because you have the baby the whole time and you have to take care of it and it starts to cry if it gets hurt. I mean, this is just one in, one titan of the industry paying respect to another titan of the industry. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really... He should be more open about how he's, you know, he's been inspired by the greatest platformer. You truly opened my mind on this, Seth. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's it was bizarre, like the stuff they showed. But I mean, this was really the excuse. Like everything, like they. I'm 100 percent sure Jeff Cayley, like he wanted to have this show just so he could show this stuff off. And they're like, "Hey, anyone got anything else we can throw on top of this?" Because uh, this was very clearly the reason this show existed, uh, and it was kind of the highlight uh, from what I saw. Like I actually went and watched all of the Death Stranding stuff. It's it, it got the most stage time, I think, too. Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, there sure. was like half an hour of it, uh, and we saw some new characters. We saw one new character, very bizarre. Uh, we saw more Guillermo del Toro, who apparently does not even voicing his body in it, which is sort of weird. Uh, same situation um, with Jeff Keighley in it. Yes, we found out Jeff Keighley is in the game. But he's uh, not voicing his character? Correct. Yes. What? Um, yeah. It's very strange. I mean, I guess it sort of makes sense. you rather have... Uh, we saw what hap- in, in Mortal Kombat what happens when you get amateurs to do voice acting. Yeah, that DJ. Too well. Poor guy. Um, he did his best. But we actually finally saw, like, real gameplay. Like, presumably someone actually played through for the game. He played the game for, like, six minutes, and they recorded it. Uh, still no real idea what's going on. Um, we sort of have more of a clue about what the purpose of the game is. Like, you play this character, Sam, who is traveling across from the east coast to the west coast of the United States, like, turning on these, um, I don't know, this, like, network, these different arrays of this network to kind of unite the, I guess, um, this is in a future of the United States where it's actually called the United Cities of America, uh, but oh, apparently... the famous UCA. Nah, yeah. Yes. I don't, I, it's hard to glean what's going on, but you are walking across America as... Uh, whatever his name is, and turning on these uh, arrays and presumably fighting these monsters, and you have this baby. Uh, that allows it's, you I don't to know. fight the monsters. Well, it allows you to see them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the babies are really important. Yeah, it's... I... Like, there was a whole... Uh, one of the s- things they showed was a whole cinematic of exposition about what the babies are and what they do. And I watched it and I was like, <laughs> what? I still have no idea. Yeah. I... But we did, we have finally seen gameplay of it. It is a real, if you can call it a game, it does exist. I don't think any of us are ever going to truly understand what this game is until it comes out. I don't think it's, it's ever coming after. out. Ooh, I don't think even if it's... it does come out, we will ever understand it. Yeah. 
no i'm i'm still like this game it is like a it's like days gone <laughs> i'll believe that game exists when i see it on the shelf Fair all right enough. so one of the things uh kojima said was there's going to be a lot more um so like a lot of uh cameos from people that we will recognize uh how much what do you think the odds are that David Hayter is one of those people? Oh, oh, 10 out of 10. I I would love that. I'm worried, though, because of uh, what happened with MGS5 that maybe Mr. Hayter wouldn't want to anymore. I don't know what his relationship with is with Kojima at the moment. I think – so I think that them removing them from MGS5 was purely a Konami thing. And so I think there is probably mutual uh, – Dis- disdain like uh, <laughs> disdain of konami from both parties I, I i doubt there's any bad blood i you know i i don't think kojima even like really wanted to make mjs5 that much i don't know uh but i think that would be that would be i think that's likely i would love that yeah david Hayter's probably in it um at this point probably you know let's um, just get the whole metal gear cast Let's uh, let's just like wild card. Hey, maybe Charlie Day's in it. Charlie Day, maybe Charlie Day. I just I completely spaced on his name. He's in Silicon Valley. Um, Uh, Kumail. Yeah, Kumail. Kumail's in it probably, (laughs) and Middleditch, and probably all of them. them. And let's go back through Kojima's like Twitter and Instagram. The the scummy guy, TJ. What's TJ's last name? The TJ guy that Hooker. No, the one that uh, the one that left know. Silicon Valley. I, why does this? This is not person. important. <laughs> why? Why are we spending so much time you trying to remember the cast of Silicon Valley? Because they'll. I'm just saying. You know, there's there's likelihood if we if it's characters we may recognize. Hank Hill could be one of them. <laughs> oh man, uh, I would love that. Fry from Futurama. Yeah, there we go. Well, you're, like, you're talking my language now. Just. Like, well, I really would like to see all of these, like a real Smash Bros. Yeah, I was, I was about uh, to say. Every, everyone is here. Everyone is here. Yep. Yeah, everyone is here. This um, is actually, there's a secret subtitle to Death Stranding called Death Stranding Ultimate. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it just hasn't been advertised yet. Yeah. That'll be that'll be the DLC. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not any more story or gameplay. It's, it's just, just more cameos. famous people are in it. Yeah. And, and yeah, and maybe oddly named, kind of like a pro evolution soccer version of them, so he doesn't <laughs> yeah. have to pay for their rights. Like a like Wait, some. If they're in the game, how would he not have to pay them? Well, you have to bring them into the studio to create their likeness. So, so I'm Listen. talking about like just getting close enough, uh, <laughs> especially with Konami. So they bring characters. in they bring in. in celebrity impersonators yeah especially with konami characters he wants to use again so like making a new guy named like cobra and his eye patches on the other side yeah oh um, my god and instead of like a skin tight suit he wears like a very fluffy suit um you know uh, just like mega is, man is gonna be in there somehow this is so stupid yeah but this is what i want uh, i i I don't think it's what you want. It I would, think you just started talking about it. Well, that's the thing. And we so you know, needed to continue talking about it. We don't know what we really want from Death Stranding. What yes. I want mainly is to just understand it. <laughs> that's not going to happen. 
Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> so Death Stranding will make as much sense as that segment did. So um, Avengers gameplay happened. Yep. Uh, it looks, uh, as my friend Cameron said, um, it would look remarkable if this was 2009 and uh, it was on a PS3. And, yeah, that's very accurate. It looks bad. Uh, the- I don't know that it looks bad. It looks... Uninspiring. Not, yeah, it looks kind of boring to me. The Iron Man part was like all on rails. Yeah, Oof. that one looked that one looked rough to control. Thor fought um, really slow, and Captain America fought more like I thought Thor should. So that was yep. interesting. Also, Captain America had like this God of War esque shield recall ability. Yeah, that which Thor didn't that's, have for his hammer. That's so weird. <laughs> which is weird. I don't know. It's strange. Also, why like, are they spending so much time on Captain America when he dies at the beginning of the game? I don't because obviously he's not going to die. Uh all well, one one cool thing was they very clearly highlighted uh who is a character who's obviously Kamala Khan. Uh so it seems pretty yeah. safe to bet that she is going to be in the game. I'm very okay with that. Yeah. Um she's another one along with uh Scott Pym that they've you know, talked about not Scott who's, Pym. Who's Scott, Scott Lang. Lang? Scott Lang. Not Scott Lang. Hank Pym. I am <laughs> tired. Let's just run through it's, all it's the men. We got Eric O'Grady, who's a scumbag. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> so there. It's interesting that they're going to have a large cast of characters in this, possibly. Um, I mean, that's supposed so, to be their whole uh, revenue model, right? Yeah. Is releasing. New characters, new characters to play with, with. new content. Are we going to get a new awkward trailer of a cast of people, a cast of famous voice actors talking about them voicing these characters like we did Probably. with the last one? I really hope not. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, the it's, it is weird. I imagine that's something you'll probably get used to in playing the game is like seeing what they look like and hearing the voices. But it is like watching the gameplay. It's still unsettling. Like hearing those voices on those characters when we are so like conditioned to hear them as other what they are in the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't know how much to say other than that. Like, especially I still don't like the art of the characters. I think the characters look real bad. Yeah. The art so, design is, or the art direction, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not hitting with me yet. Uh, I know that the costumes, I think, are customizable from something I heard a few months ago. Yeah. But that's going to be part of it. Like, I don't think that's going to fix my gripes. You're going to look like, I'm imagining at some points, um, what Destin Legary from the Destiny podcast for IGN says a walking trash monster <laughs> because you'll probably have like different armors on different pieces. Yeah. Because if this is going to be like Destiny, you're going to have different chunks of like suit that you can apply i'll oh, just throw uh, on so, a shader and make it all yeah make it all match so no biggie who knows it certainly did not uh it, it did not make me it did not garner any more interest in me in playing the game no no not at all um terminator is going to be in the third video game this year uh that is mortal kombat 11 so it's now going to be in gears of war Ghost Recon Breakpoint and uh, MK. Yeah, Mortal Kombat 11. So that's three games. 
for the Terminator. Cool. Yeah. It's a really good for him. marketing push. Good for Arnold. Good for <laughs> Arnold. Get out of here. <laughs> he's, he's still got it. I guess That's the extent of my Arnold impersonation. Yeah, I I will, I will try to attempt. Yeah, anymore. I can't. I'm not gonna bother. <laughs> um, let's see. The Halo Infinite creative director left, mm. which right before the game's supposed to come out. Well, not right before, but I like, mean, a year is right before. Yeah, like, fair. They are. They're pretty far into development for this guy to be yes. cut and bait. The hope is that. Th- whatever they were doing before was kind of already set in stone uh that's best case scenario worst case scenario is them leaving is going to throw everything off for the next uh year and a few months uh till release and yeah i mean another lukewarm we've seen like the stuff like what's happening with bioware with all those people leaving during development and how that Mm -hmm. has affected uh how that affected um Anthem. Whatever, Anthem. And, um, and Mass Effect Andromeda, for that matter. Yeah. Given everything that happens over at Bioware so, development. So hopefully we don't see anything like that with Halo, because as um, much as I've been hard on 343 for what they've done with 4 and 5, uh, I would rather this game not like be a crap show. Yeah, for sure. Uh infinite is definitely um for me at least it's i'm i was hopeful about it i i hope it's fantastic could because it really does look like they're trying to push in a new direction with it i just want it to be good man yeah that's the I, bottom line i like it's so frustrating <laughs> to me and you know what if you would have asked me 10 years ago um which franchise do you think will have the better reputation in 10 years I would have said Halo. Yeah. But now we're at the point where, you know, Epic and everything left Gears and Microsoft built up the studio uh, to keep it going. And 343 Studios was built up the same for Halo. And Gears is thriving under them. Yep. And the, the Coalition is doing some real good work. And Halo is like dying. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Four. Weird. I liked four. Four and five. Five is rough, but I still like it. They don't. They didn't have anywhere near the same impact on games as a whole, or just like the buzz around the release that like Halo two and three did, for sure. Yeah, the multiplayer was dead for five like a month in. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. There's still tournaments going on, at least. I I don't own five, personally. Because at least for whatever that one mode was called, it was still going strong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the one multiplayer mode I played in five, if I'm if we're both on the same wavelength here. Yeah. Can't remember I what it was called. called. Yeah. But it was the, it was the new Warzone? one. But yeah. But I... Yeah. Yeah. And for all that 343 has not done well, Warzone was a very cool addition to Halo, for sure. Yeah, and the their version of Firefight was fun while it yep. lasted. So, um, is there any other news that you guys want to cover? There's been a, yes, a lengthy. In fact, oh okay. Uh, well, I mean, we spent a lot of time on stuff that none of us cared about for some <laughs> reason. Um, but yeah, 
So I don't know if you guys saw any of this. This was a game. Apparently, there was gameplay during opening night live, but this game was like announced in Game Informer. I'm pretty sure. Um, like that was where I first saw it. Uh, but this game called Disintegration. Yes. So uh, I, which so- is uh, the developer is one of the co-creators of Halo, uh, Marcus Leto. Yes. This is like new studio. Um, it looks super interesting to me. It takes place in the future where all the people are robots because of some pandemic, which is a, by the way, a remarkably similar um, idea as to what a, a remarkably similar premise to Near Automata. Uh, I'm okay. I don't with know. That. I don't know if that is a direct. Uh, if there's, he thought about that. Uh, but it's like set in the future. People have put their consciousness uh into robot bodies because of this pandemic um and that process is called integration thus the name disintegration um and like i guess uh this you play as this guy who are fighting against this new uh world order controlled by these integrated people but it's like a first person shooter except you're on this hover bike the whole time which um, I really and, hope isn't the whole time. <laughs> and it also like you it also has these RTS elements where you are uh t- controlling like directing different classes of troops on the ground to go do things uh in a manner similar to um like the way the pinging system works in Apex Legends like you kind of point the crosshairs and huh. order your troops to go do stuff. Um kind of like Star it Wars sounds, Republic Commando. Uh <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um I worry that I always worry that stuff like that is a little too complex for me uh because <laughs> it's got it's it's got like MOBA type um stuff going on in at least some of the multiplayer modes. But it's it's got my interest be, just based on like the gameplay they've shown and the the art style. Yeah. It has a very uh destiny and halo look um so yeah it's i it 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 was one thing that i had no idea even existed and then it grabbed me um from when i first saw the stuff so that's a game i that 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 got shown that i am very interested in i'm i'm looking forward to seeing more of it for sure yeah i didn't i i must have missed this trailer yeah i yeah I'm bummed. Um, do if it if it does seem this cool, that I mean, motorbike and like weird RTS stuff. Yeah, I'm in. That sounds interesting. Disintegration. Yep. Yep. I was kind of hoping it would be a Halo type game, but you can't make the same game all the time. I yeah. guess. And apparently, like, it's also gonna have like a a pretty lengthy campaign, so that's always good. I love a shooter with a good campaign. Yes, same here. Shouts to Titanfall. Oh, I man, I really two. Need to that play is two. Titanfall two. Titanfall one had no campaign. Yeah, but did I you need, play I, Titanfall two? No. Oh, Forrest. even though like that is that is at the top of no. My you list. need to go play like, right that. now. Like that's one of the best first person shooter campaigns. Are you oh, saying yeah. I should skip my classes tomorrow? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Obviously. No. No. Of course. <laughs> Always skip class to play video games, especially like five year old video games. Yeah. Yes. Why not? 
And it's very often on sale on the Xbox store. This is true. I'd actually be surprised if it's not on it's not on Game Pass, never mind. It's not. No. I mean, hey, I'm always down for a sale though. Yeah. So uh any other news we want to talk about? I boys. I I think I would like to just at, at least quickly cover the Game Informer stuff and GameStop as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so Game Informer um or GameStop because I don't want to say Game Informer laid people off. Game yes. Informer is owned by GameStop. Yes. In case you didn't know that. Um, and they laid off about half of the... A lot of their Game editorial Informer. team. Yeah. They laid off half of the Game Informer staff. And they laid off about 100 people at the corporate <laughs> office of GameStop. Yeah. Uh, some of these people were on vacation. Which is really rough. Some people didn't yep. even know about it till the day, like they got into work and found out the news. Uh, it, yep. So far, it's just not looking like a good situation all around. Uh, some of these people are really, I follow them pretty closely on Twitter, and they've been like, I stopped reading the magazine, but I keep up with the articles on the website and. It's just a real bummer because they they had the solid podcast and like all the people seemed to be good, interesting writers. So I hope they find home soon um, somewhere else or they make their own thing because that would be really neat, too. Yeah, I I would and I would definitely be there for it. Um, One of the guys, uh, Imran Khan, uh, he actually is paying for all of his own uh, flight and stuff to go to PAX because he had appearances set for there that was going to be company covered and he didn't want to cancel it on his fans and so he's having to now cover it himself so it's crazy but yep it stinks GameStop is in uh, some trouble yeah it's uh, and it just sucks that uh, it stinks uh, to get laid off because uh, your parent company is uh, not doing well. Uh, yeah. Because the people at Game Informer were doing very good work and helping to push forward um, the video game journalism um, as a whole. So hopefully those guys can land on their feet and some other uh, publications will find positions for them. For sure. So, um, with that, we appreciate you as always listening to us, even when we do these really long episodes about some stuff we don't care about. <laughs> we'll try to trim that out in the future. Yeah. Uh, Gamescom as a whole was not as exciting as I wanted it to be. Um, Is it over? It, I think well, it's still the, going on. The announcements are done. Yeah. And, um, Cyberpunk gameplay that we were told at E3 was going to be a Gamescom is now being pushed to PAX East. Of course. Yep. Yeah. PAX East? Yeah, yeah. PAX. Just PAX, um, yeah. I, I don't know which East, West, North, South, uh, you know. Yeah, whatever, whatever cardinal directions are. Yeah. So they they never come close to Florida, so. No, so it doesn't really I don't know matter. what South they're going to. I think it's Texas. <laughs> so... Uh, with that, we appreciate you as always. 
and we will see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. See ya.